Okay, final daf of the Masechta. We are up to Kuf Yud Tes Amid Aleph. We are on the two dots on the second line. So the Gemara says like this. Um, sorry, just lost the place. Kuf Yud Tes Amid Aleph. Thank you very much. Um, we need article for today, and that describes the warps and the you know the type of stuff. And I got it to just stuff that's not. Very relevant, so we'll be able to run through. So the Gemara says like this. We said in the Mishnah that you're not allowed to buy <coughs> wood or fruit from a fruit orchard watchman because it was probably stolen. So the Gemara says, Rava Zavin Shavisha Marise. Rava bought a bundle of grapevine from a sharecropper. Now, a sharecropper doesn't own the field. He works the field. He gets a percentage of it, but he doesn't own the field. So he bought it from him. So I'm going to buy it from him. I thought you're not allowed to buy it from anyone that's not the owner because it might be stolen. Why aren't you concerned that this grapevine is stolen? So It's only us here to buy it from a watchman who has no percentage in the fruit. And therefore, you could assume it's stolen. But a sharecropper, a sharecropper works the land. He doesn't own it, but he gets a percentage of the proceeds from the land. Therefore, I could safely assume that what I'm buying was actually from his ownership stake. And because it's possible, I don't have to be concerned that he's a thief. You're allowed to buy a watchman of fruit. right? We said the issue of buying fruit from a watchman is because it's probably stolen. But you're allowed to buy if they set up a stand. If he set up a stand, as we're going to see in, in the front of the field, the level of chutzpah, if he's stolen, that, that, that's not stolen. It's one thing he grabbed, you know, but to set up a stand, that's Mustama. He's, he's, he, he would never, that, that level of chutzpah, risking his uh, profession for that, no, no chance. It's probably not stolen. He has a basket, scales, he might have set up a whole stand. If he set up a stand, you could buy from him. But if, even with the stand, if when you buy it, he says, hey, don't tell anybody where you got it or hide it, then that's obviously a simon that it's stolen. Also. And it's only okay if the stand is in front of the field, because then it's visible. If the stand is in the back, in like a back alley, then that's also a simon that it's stolen. Itmar, very interesting Gemara. How much of a, let's say, can you buy from a robber if you, let's say the majority is not stolen? I don't know how you would know this, but let's say you, got, you know the guy's a robber, but I know that I can tell that majority is not stolen. Is that okay? So Rav Amar Achitei Roy Mishaloi. Rav says no. It has to be the majority. I'm sorry. It has to be majority not stolen. Minority stolen is fine. You can go with the majority. I don't know how you would know, but if let's say you could find out that the majority of this stuff, he's a robber, but the majority of what he gets, I know is not stolen. I know that he's got a he's a, he's a salesman on majority. Then it's fine. Shmuel says no. I feel me Shmuel says take it further. The majority could be stolen as long as the minority is not stolen. That's enough. It's a very big chiddush. And that's how Rav Yehuda paskind that you can go with even if the minority is not stolen. That's enough. Okay, Mamun Maser. I, I, I wanted to check this up. I ran out of time yesterday, but we know that a Maser you can kill. We had that a couple of ago. Could, what about his his money? Could he destroy his property? Now, I don't even know if the destroying of the property is even for a purpose. Just The question is, can you just destroy it? If you're allowed to kill him, can you just destroy his property? So, it's a machlekes. Rav Huna, Rav Yehuda, it's a machlekes. One says it's motor to destroy his property. 
I assume it's angry, or maybe it's to it's to it's to stop him. Maybe it's to deter him. I'm not 100 percent sure. I so I wanted to check it up to see what the motivation is. The question is, if let's say, uh, yeah, you want to you want to not just pick at his fence, but you want to like you know break his windows so that he understands that we're not okay with this. It's machlekes. So what's the machlekes about? The one who says it's allowed is <laughs> If I'm allowed to kill him. I definitely should be able to break his window. But the one who says you're not allowed to, perhaps he'll have a righteous kid, and his kid will inherit the window, meaning you can't break it because maybe he'll have Einaklach, the that'll be good people, so let the Einaklach get it. Rechizda had a certain sharecropper. It's very, there's two pshatim in Rashi what this means. The second pshat of Rashi is that he was ripping off Rav Chizda. The first pshat is that he wasn't ripping him off, but he was, he was going exactly to the ounce. And Rav Chizda didn't like that he was so, like, you know, meticulous. Like, let's just have a regular partnership. Let's go with the second approach, that he was ripping him off. So let's, obviously, if he's ripping him off, let's say he's supposed to get 40%, he's taking 50%, whatever it is, 50, 60, whatever it is. So Salke Rav Chizda fired him. Kara Anafshei Rav Chizda said about him this situation. This is what the pasuk means: Tzafon Tzadik, what's stored away will be for the tzadik. Me, Chayil Chayte, and the sinner gets punished. Meaning, I fired him, and uh, all the money goes to me. By the way, it's a little bit strange because it's not like Rav Chizda doesn't get the money. I mean, he took the money already. I guess the point is, in the future, the future money, this guy lost out because he was a sinner. He doesn't get a parnasa, and and that money goes to Rav Chizda because he's the tzadik. Okay. Let's go weiter. Ma, there's a pasuk. This pasuk says this pasuk is referring to theft. It says Ma tikvas What is the hope of someone who's like a kaifer? Ki when he steals. I mean, what 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 is the guy who steals? What does he think is going to happen? Ki yishal For Hashem will cast away his soul. That there's something aspect of a ganef losing the soul. Now whose soul is it? So there's two opinions. Ravun of one says that the soul in the pasuk is referring to the victim, and one, ref- one pasuk refers to the robber. Now let's go through each one. If it's the robber, what the pasuk is basically saying, that Hashem will cast away your soul. Hashem is going to take away your life, because you're a robber. If the soul is referring to the victim, what the pasuk is telling you is that when you steal some from, one, from someone, you're stealing his soul. So what, 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 what are you hoping, what do you think Hashem is going to do when you're taking the victim's soul? Now why, as we'll see in a moment, why is it that when you, take a, when you steal from someone... It's considered stealing his soul. There's the Pashup Shad. The Pashup Shad is because you're stealing his livelihood. So he's not going to have food to put on the table. Pashup. You steal, you steal from him, then, then he's not, you take away his Parnasa. The deeper Pashad is, as we'll see, a, you said from Rav Sadiq, Rav Sadiq says that everything that you own is Makusha to your Neshama. That there's a reason why you're connected to like that couch. If you go to the store, you see all these couches. You, he says that there's connected to your neshama, and, and that's why you're supposed to uplift it, whatever it is. You steal from someone, you're taking away his, uh, you know, things that are makushatim. Let's go with the pasuk shat. You steal from someone, you're taking away his soul because you're taking away his parnasa. So the Gemara says, Man nigzal, the one who says that the pasuk, the word soul, is referring to the victim. That when you steal from one, you're robbing the victim's soul. Because the pasuk says, Kain abatza, yikach. That when you steal, you take the owner's soul, meaning the victim, the owner of enemies, take away his soul. But the one who says that it's actually referring to the goslin's soul, that Hashem will cast away the robber's soul because of his sins. It says, do not rob someone who's poor. Because he's poor. And don't oppress the poor. 
Ki Hashem Yarev Rivam, because Hashem will fight for them. Vikovis Kaveyim Nefesh. And Hashem will rob the soul of those who rob them. So you see the Pasuk clearly states that the Ganev's soul will be taken away. So th- therefore, both of them have their own psukim. The Gemara says, Idach Nami, the one who says that it's referring to the soul of the robber, Hoksev Nevesh Bailev Yikach, what does he do with the other person's pasuk, which is as the soul of the owner, owner implies the victims? The answer is no. My Bailev, Bailev Dahashta. It, it says the owner, meaning the current owner. When you steal it, it becomes yours. And I shouldn't take away your soul. So when it says the soul, it's referring to the robber the whole time. Idach Nami, the one who says that it's referring to the victim's soul, doesn't the Pasuk say that Hashem will rob the soul of those who rob them, which indicates the word soul is referring to the robber? If to put a comma in there. Meaning Hashem is going to punish the robber. Why? Because he took the soul of that other person. Okay. If you steal from someone, even a Shavapruta, it's like you took away their soul. Now, like I said, it's because you took away the Parnasa. Now, Shavapruta is not the Parnasa. So you go with the Tzaddik's approach that you stole their uh, piece of the Neshama is connected to that money. Or you stole their, uh, their, their sense, of, uh, sense of security. You want to go with that? You stole their, you know, you stole their uh, human dignity. Okay, whatever it is. The Gemara says, Now we're going to bring like four psukim that describe that when you steal from someone, you steal their, you know, their life because you're taking away their parnasa. First one, That he takes away the soul of its owner. That's psukim number one. A second psukim, and the Gemara is going to add, why, why do I need all these psukim? A second psukim says, You'll consume, when you steal from them, you consume their sons and their daughters. Meaning not only are you killing them, you're killing their children because they have nothing to put on the table. A third psukim. Because of Hamas, Hamas is, is a type of theft, as we'll see. It's where you theft, but you pay for it. They don't pay for anything. So you pay for it, right? You, say, you steal Hamas's, you steal, and then you pay for it. It says, because of the Hamas ben Yehuda, they spill the blood. So you see, it's taking away the soul. And the fourth Pasuk is, is El Shol, El Beis Adam, Mashal Hamas is The Pasuk says that Hashem was unhappy that Shol killed the Gevoinim. Now, Hashem never actually killed the Gevoinim, he killed Noiv Irakohanim. So how does it mean that he killed the Gevonim? Because Novi Rakahanim supported the Gevonim. By him killing the Novi Rakahanim, there was no Parnasa for the Gevonim. It's Kilu, you killed them. So you see that taking someone's Parnasa away is like killing them. So you have four Psukim to teach you the same thing. So the Gemara wants to know, what do I need all four Psukim? So I'll tell you outside. The first one is to tell you that theft takes away the soul. The second one is that it not, doesn't just kill them, it kills their children. The third one is Hamas. Hamas is where you pay for it. So you might think that because you pay for it, it's not theft. No, it's still Geneva. And the fourth and final one is that over there, you didn't, he didn't even steal it directly from them. He stole... He forced them to take it. I take an item from you, you throw money at you, you don't want to sell it, that's Geneva. And the fourth one is Novi Rakohanim, is that Shaul didn't even... I steal from you... And it causes B and C to be affected. I'm punished for that as well because Shaul is punished for killing the Gevonim. He never killed the Gevonim. He killed Novir Akohanim, which supported the Gevonim. So it's indirect, and he's still considered uh, punished. So you see that this concept goes is like a, a ripple effect. My Vayimer, what are all these looking for? The Gemara says, The first passage just teaches you that you steal the victim's soul, but it doesn't say anything about the children. That's the second passage. And the first two psukim don't tell me that Hamas is an issue where I pay for it. You might think that that's allowed. To that the passage says, 
Toshma machmas me chamas bin a Yehuda. That's the second puzzle. You might think that's only true if you rob them with your own hands. But what if you cause them a loss indirectly, like Shoal? You might think it's not a pun- you're not going to get punished for that. It's not like taking a life. The Where do we find that Shol killed the Gevonim? He killed Novir Kohanim, who used to support the Gevonim, and it's Ke'ilu, he killed the Gevonim. Okay? Now, the last little bit into the Mishnah is you're not allowed to buy from women many things because the concern was that they were selling it without their husband's consent. Says the Gemara, You're allowed to buy from women, married women, woolen garments in Yehuda, because that the husbands were cool with. Linen garments in the Galil. But you cannot buy from them wine, oil, oil or flour, because that was usually sold by the men. And therefore, if the woman is selling it, she's not doing it with her husband's consent. Says the Gemara, you can't buy anything from a slave or a child because where did they get that stuff? The slave got it from his master, he's stealing, and the child got it from his parents, he's stealing. A woman is allowed to sell four or five dinners worth of things just to sell a kerchief, so she has a kerchief, meaning the husbands were cool with selling smaller items to have a little bit of petty cash. But if the married woman, with all these haterim, say, hide it, or don't tell anyone where you got it from, that's a sign that it's stolen, and you're not allowed to use it. If you're collecting tzedakah, you're only allowed to collect tzedakah from, from children, or a married woman, a small amount, not a lot, because it might be done without the husband's consent. Nowadays, the assumption is that when a married woman gives uh, kids tzedakah, her husband's cool with it, but if you go to a kid, a little kid, Writes a big check. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. you know, a big check. He gives a lot of cash. It's like, whoa, where are you getting this from? Probably doing without the parents' knowledge. I used to sell baseball cards in the Yeshiv Katana. Uh, it's first Marshall. And uh, probably not allowed. I was a kid as well, but the, all the money that I was getting, uh, the, the parents did complain that it was, it was allocated for food. In my defense... I don't know, I was kidding. So the Gemara says, Habadadin, uh, someone who's an olive presser, which is, the olive presser is, you own the olive press, and I bring the materials. So materials are not yours. So if you own the olive press, you can only buy large quantities of oil or olives, because large quantities is not stolen. They wouldn't have the chutzpah to steal large quantities. A small amount, they probably just siphoned off. Rishim Gamliel used to say that in the upper Galil, you could buy a small amount of olives from married women. I, we thought that we said before, you're not allowed to buy olives from married women because usually the husbands sell that. Small amount of olives in the upper Galil was fine because Rishim Gamliel, Rishim Gamliel, Rishim Gamliel knew that in the upper Galil, the, a lot of times where men needed a small amount of money and they just needed to sell some olives, they were embarrassed to sell that. They would, they would have their wives do it. So he says, Ravina went to Beimachuza to collect tzedakah. And um, who's this Ravina? They gave him golden chains and bracelets. That's tzedakah. Here's the problem. I thought you are only allowed to collect from married women a small amount of money because if it's a, lar- a large amount of money, 
it could be given without the husband's knowledge. So why was he accepting these gold chains in the city of Mechuza? So the Gemara says, Kav minayu, Amr le Ravatei, Sol le Ravina, Hatanya, Gavet, Tzedakam, Hakabu, Lehen, Davar, Muat, Avle, Davar, Muat. I thought you're not allowed to collect larger quantities from married women. Because it might be done without the husband's knowledge. So why are you taking gold bracelets? This is a Yisait Durachas. Mechuza was a very wealthy town. Mechuza, it's one of those, in Mechuza, a gold bracelet is not a big deal. So the answer was, the Gemara says, in the city of Mechuzah, it's like there are certain areas, you know, multiple towns, where money, the Baruch Hashem, they have a lot of money, so writing a check for a thousand dollars is not a big deal. So for B'nai Mechuzah, a gold bracelet was, was nothing, so he could accept it. Okay, last Mishnah, um, let me explain to you what the Mishnah is going to be dealing with, and this will take us to the end of the Mishnah. The mission is dealing with the concept of, let's say, I bring wood, and you're a carpenter, and you're turning it into a bookshelf. And invariably, you're going to have scraps. If I'm Makbid, you can't keep that. And if you do, you're a thief. But there are certain things that's just like, it's standard, just like, it's fine. So the mission will now list standard, it's fine. And what's not fine. To properly appreciate this last Ahmed, Art Scroll goes through many, many diagrams of the weft and the warp. I'm not... Yeah, no, I'm going to explain it um, as simply as I can. Okay, the shreds of wool that a launderer, when a guy when a guy launders woolen garments, there'll be shreds. The halacha is the launder the launderer can keep it. The owner doesn't mind. That's fine. The hasayrik and someone who uh, a teasels teasel is they would comb a new garment to make it softer. Whenever you comb a new garment, there will be little pieces of wool that would come off. That the owner wants back. That he wants back. I guess they would turn into like pillows. So that, I think they would do it for pillows or blankets. So when they would comb a garment and there would be little tufts, that the owner wants back. And therefore I guess you can't buy it from a launderer. If a launderer is selling you tufts of wool, you can't buy it from him because that he got it stolen. Not tufts? Okay, so sometimes when a guy's laundering clothing, you have a little frayed edge. If it's three threads, you can cut it off and he can keep it. More than three threads, he cannot keep. The guy would allow the launderer to keep three threads, three threads only. Okay. More than three threads, he's not allowed to keep, and if he keeps, it's stolen. But let's say there's little black threads at the end of the shirt. Then even if it's more than three, you, he can keep it because the owner does not want them. It, it could be fifty. Take them all off, and then therefore the owner uh, would like. Let's say a tailor has a string on the on the bottom. Let's say of pants that's long enough to sew. We'll see exactly how long that is. That the owner gets to keep, and he cannot keep it. Or a piece of cloth that's three fingers by three finger lengths. Three fingers by three fingers was very small. It was used for patches. It's the smallest amount that's considered chashiv. If it's three by three, the owner has to keep it. And if he keeps it, it's geneva. Shavings that a carpenter removes within matzad, they translate as an edge. It's a type of axe. It's a small axe. The little shavings that come off, that belongs to the carpenter, that the owner doesn't mind. But the large chips that he hacks off with a hatchet, that the owner wants back. 
Now let's say that's only true if it's in the carpenter's workshop, but let's say he's going to your house and working in your house, then you want everything, even the shavings. You want the sawdust. You want it. It was good for the ground. Even the sawdust belongs to the owner. Let's finish up the daf. You're allowed to buy shreds of wool from a launder, because that we said he's allowed to keep. And the koivis is allowed to keep two threads um, he's allowed to rip off two extra threads. He's allowed to keep going to the next page. He's not allowed to sew more than three stitches. They would stretch out the garments. They would have to make a loop at the end of the garment to stretch it out, to like hang it on pegs. He's only allowed to make three stitches because the more stitch, you're going to have to cut this off at some point, so the more stitches, the more you're going to have to lose of the garment. So he's only allowed to make three stitches. More than that is considered unethical and unfair. Okay, when you're when you're teaseling the beged, when you're combing, teaseling, it's combing, it's a type of combing, you have to do it vertically. You should not teasel it vertically, you should tease it horizontally. The reason being is because when you teasel it vertically, much more wool comes off, because it's against the grain, against the warp, uh, more, more wool comes up, but it will make it look nicer. But more wool comes up. So you have to do it horizontally, not vertically. Okay? And let's say you have to trim off a little bit of the garment, and I guess you have a choice to do it lengthwise or widthwise. Do it widthwise. <coughs> I'm sorry, Meshavel Arka, you do it lengthwise. Not widthwise. The Gemara will explain. If you plan to even it out, then you can go up to a tefach. Again, I don't know, whatever. Wasn't, this isn't my life, you know what I mean? I don't know what these things uh, fully mean. I'll talk to Ari. Right, when you have the a garment, you have the, the salvage. Yeah. So that's the part that you don't want to use. No, no, I understand so the concepts. It's, it's just that uh, it's a little bit foreign to me. No, you want to keep the nap the same way. Yeah, look, I'm all about the nap. Amar, Shnei Chutin, there's two threads of the garment. that You could take two threads. Hanan Tanan Shalish. Another Bryce says he can keep three threads. So could the launder keep two or three? The answer is, if they're thick, only two. If they're thin, even three. You're supposed to only uh, comb it, teasel it horizontally, not vertically. Don't we have a Bryce that says the opposite, vertically, not horizontally? The answer is, if it's the average garment, you have to do it horizontally because vertically will could tear it and take off more of the thing. But if it's a chosh of a garment that should look nice, then you got to do it vertically because that'll make it look better. You're not allowed to sew more than three stitches to make the loop at the end. The question is, Here's the question. Right? Whenever you sew a stitch, you do this and then come back. Is that two or is that one? Not sure. When you're evening out the garment, you even out widthwise, not lengthwise. But isn't there a price that says the opposite? Length, but with lengthwise, not widthwise. So which one is it? The answer is, if it's a garment you're going to wear like a like a like a like a coat or like a talus, you don't want to do it lengthwise because then it'll it'll like be too short. That you do widthwise, because people don't really care about the width. But if it's a belt, then I don't care about the, I care more about the width than the length, 
So then I cut it lengthwise. No, it just depends on you know what type of garment it is. You can't buy shreds of wool from a teasler because he's not allowed to keep that and he's a stealer. But if in that town the minig is to allow it, then it's fine. Either way, you can buy uh, a pillow made of shreds. Why? I had stolen. The answer is he was kainah. When he turns it into a pillow, he's a ganif, but he was kainah with shina maisa. So, so kineses malei muchin. My time, kineses with shina. He was kainah with shina. So even if it is a ganif, he he was kainah. Tanur abonon ain loichem megardi. I'm just saying, you can't buy from a weaver the following uh, pieces because they were probably stolen. Loi irin, not woolen stoppers. Loi nirin, nor headlers. Loi punkalin, nor tapestry bobbins. Nor leftover spools of thread. By what's his, what's his name? The, the guy who does the uh, the, the daft thing, uh, Stefanski. He's a Stefanski, right? Ellis Stefanski. He's probably has a giant like warp and thread thing. Nor leftover spools of thread. Well, you, I mean, you could see these things. Yeah, you could Google it. I'm not. But you could buy from them. A speckled garment, because he was kind of a shina ma'isa, or uh, spun threads. Here's the kasha. When you take a thread and you spin it, you're kind of a shina ma'isa. So you said you could buy threads, or you could buy a garment. If I could buy threads, I definitely could buy a garment. A garment is made of threads. <laughs> if I'm allowed to buy threads from him, because he was kind of a shina ma'isa, I'm allowed to buy a garment. What does he have to say both? So the Gemara says, Amri, hasha tavi shakal bai. If you could buy threads, a kavachem, you could buy a garment, why do you have to say both? The answer is, my arig tichi. You know what it means, a garment? It means woolen chains that are unspun. It's not talking about spun thread. Spun thread is kind of shinamaisa. The garment that he's talking about is made of unspun thread. So it's either spun thread or a garment made of unspun thread that you can be kind of both are acquired shinamaisa. Tan Rabbanon, ein loichen min you can't buy from a dyer loichen Wool that was used for testing because he steals it, like dugmas, color samples, like tushin shaltzemer, torn off threads of wool. You could buy from him a dyed garment or a dyed spun thread. Same kasha. If you could buy spun thread, Kavachayim should be able to buy a garment. So the Gemara says, Hasha tavi shakal begadim iboy, my begadim namti. The answer is, what does it mean, garment? What does it mean, garment? It means namti, which are felt garments made of unspun fibers. So if it's unspun, so either spun thread or a garment made of unspun fibers. Tanur Abanan, Hanaisin Aris Abdan. If you give hides to a tanner, Hakitsu and Atlushan Arishabal Bayis. All the trimmings belong to the owner, he can't keep it. But the wool that comes out of the water rinse belongs to the tanner. The water rinse. They would rinse it and a little piece would come off that, but that the guy does can keep. Okay. Um I'm Rabbi Yehuda. Kitsara, a launderer is called a Kitsara of Kitsara Shakale because he keeps what's cut off. He believes that a launderer can keep the trimmings. I'm Rabbi Yehuda. Hakol oil leminitcheles. There's a halacha that the tzitzis can't be too, um, has to be a certain distance from the end of the corner. It can't be on the corner, it has to be uh, a finger length away. The threads that will be removed count. So the, the, the frayed edges count as part of the distancing from the, the tzitzis to the corner. The Yitzchak Bri, but my son Yitzchak is makbid not to count them. He cuts them off and then moves and then makes the tzitzis a little bit further back. Okay, 
Kamalithfar, we said that a tailor, if he leaves enough thread to sew, it belongs to the owner. How much is enough thread? Kamalithfar, Amaravasi, Malay Machat, Machat. So there's a needle length and then a little bit more. So the question is, is it two needle lengths or is it a little bit more than a needle length? So let's say a needle length is one inch. Is it two inches or is it 1.1 inches? That's the Gemara's question. So the Gemara of thread that's left over that must that belongs to the owner. Is it two inches or is it 1.1 inches? That's the Gemara's question. So the Gemara says, Tashima, the Tanya, the Braisa says, the halacha is that if it's this length of thread, whatever it is, either 2 inches or 1.1 inches, that belongs to the owner. What if it's less than that? So then the Braissa says it depends. If in that location the owner is Makbid, it goes to the owner. If not, not. Now, it's saying there's the length, length of thread we were referring to the Mishnah, which we're not sure about. Is it two lengths of a needle? I'm calling it two inches. Or is it 1.1? The Gemara's not sure. Then the Gemara says, but if it's less than that, it belongs to the Balabais if he's Makbid. Less than two inches has a purpose. Less than 1.1 has no use. So it must be the fact that there's a significance to less indicates that it's the larger shear, which is two inches. The Gemara says, What is the purpose of such a string? must be referring to the larger shear. Okay, last Shaila. We said that that which the carpenter cuts with an edge. What? An edge. It's a type of... Um, it's a type of uh, cutting, cutting device. It belongs to the uh, belongs to the carpenter. With the contradiction is we have a brace that has the same edge and it refers to the owner. So the Gemara is going to answer is there's two different types of edges. There's a small one and a big one. The smaller pieces belong to the carpenter. The bigger pieces belong to the owner. The Gemara says, or many have a contradiction. The brace says, whatever a carpenter removes with an edge, or with a saw, they belong to the owner. So our Mishnah said it belongs to him. This Bryce says it belongs to the owner. The sawdust that comes out under a drill, or from under a plane, or that comes out the saw, they belong to the carpenters. The question is, does the carpenter get the, the shavings with the edge or not? So the answer is, in the place of our Bryce, there were two different types of cutting tools. Both called edges. Meaning, the Brisa had two different types of tools. The large one they would call an axe, the small one they would call an edge. But our Mishnah only, our, Mishnah, our Brisa only had one, and that was called an edge. Meaning, in other words, the Brisa that says that the edge belongs to the Balabayas was referring to the larger item called, that he called an edge. Our Mishnah didn't call it, our Mishnah called it an axe. So it's the same item, it just has different names to it. If you chisel stone, you can keep, the chiseler can keep the little piece of the stone. If you prune trees, you prune grapevines, you prune thorn bushes, if you weed un, unwanted uh, weeds near vegetables, you prune vegetables, all of these things, who gets to keep the prunings, the trimmings? It depends on if they're makbid. If the owner is makbid, 
give it to him. If he's not machmed, you can keep it. Am Rav Yehuda, kishus v'chaziz e'mishum gezel. Hops and green grain are not subject to gezel. So it's a shayla what this means. Uh, it could be, uh, Pashas it means that if you're walking on the, fi- uh, the fields and these little grains that are growing, green grains that will never develop into fully ripened grain, the owner does not machmed about that, that you can keep. The halacha with these things, that if the owner is particular, then it's a problem. If he's not, it's fine. Ravina says, I could tell you, in the city of Mechasia, they're Makbid, so you can't take them in the city of Mechasia. Alright, guys, big mazel tov. Big deal. That's a, that's a big boy. That's a big one, Masechta. That's a big one, Masechta. No, this is a...